welcome to the Plan Simple Meals podcast. I am your host, Mia Moran. Moms have the power to change the future, one meal at a time. The Plan Simple Meals podcast is for busy moms who want to create a healthier, happier home. Listen in for informative conversations and valuable strategies to make meals healthy, meaningful, and fun. Let's do this. Welcome to this episode of the Plan Simple Meals podcast. We have a great guest on this episode. If you have small children or are pregnant, if you know anyone who has small children or is pregnant or has a baby who's not yet eating, you have got to listen to this episode. Jennifer also has advice for our older children, but she is really specializes in getting a child from milk to solids and she has a different twist on it so this is really worth a good listen um, to hear what she has to say so i'm super excited that with about this episode definitely make sure to share with any friends you have who have babies because i really do believe that if we can start our kiddos at a young age just appreciating food oh my gosh we just avoid so many battles. We gain so much of our time back. And of course, kids have their own rhythms and patterns. And that's not to say everything is going to be smooth, but we do want to save time wherever we can. So this is a good one. But before we dive in, I want to share with you guys a really exciting announcement. So I've been hinting at this project I'm working on. I have started to share some content that really has to do with it. So we're right in the middle right now of the calendar cleanse. And here's the deal, you guys. So I don't know if everybody knows this about me, but I'm actually a designer by trade. I got into this industry because I had this life-changing experience with food where I lost 85 pounds and needed to heal a child from really feeling like crap. And I just fell in love with this idea that we had this amazing thing we had to teach our kids. And so that's how I got into this industry. But for almost 20 years, I owned a graphic design company. That's my background. I went to art school. And I love designing things. When I was a senior in design school, my thesis was designing a calendaring system. And so... I feel like all paths have led me to right now because in September we are launching a planner, a planner that lets you balance your life on paper, lets you plan for food, for your life, for your work, and as I like to say, a little bit of um for all that stuff in between that keeps us sane as mamas. And so if that sounds cool to you, if you want to be on the list and be in the know, you can go to theflowplanner.com and get on that list now because there will be an announcement. It's going to be a quick, fun launch. I'll explain more as we get closer, but you're going to want to be on that list if you are at all a planner junkie, have been looking for that system that actually can get your whole life onto paper you're going to want to be part of this. So go to theflowplanner.com and get in on that. The link will be in the show notes. So I think that's all I got, actually. I hope everyone's having a fantastic summer. And let's dive into our talk with Jennifer. Today on the podcast, I have Jennifer House who is a registered dietitian, a mom of three, and has a private practice helping moms nourish their families with confidence. Doesn't that sound amazing? Super excited to jump into this conversation with Jennifer. So welcome. Thanks, Mia. I'm really happy to be here today. Yeah, well, we're excited to have you because I love everything you talk about. And it's funny. How old are your kids? You have three, right? I have three, yes. So my eldest is 10 He's a boy, and then I have a girl in the middle, she's six, and then my youngest boy just turned three. Got it. So it's funny because my, so my three are 13, 11, and eight, and it's funny, one of the <laughs> things that I think a lot about now is 
what a difference a year makes because there's those moments when our kids are little that we're like, oh my God, this is so hard. But then as they, you know, every, you, everything is in perspective. So I feel kind of far away from the years that you really specialize in. So I'm excited to have you here. <laughs> yeah, you're just a few years ahead of me there, right? So yeah. I'm looking forward to being where you are exactly. getting that stage. But <laughs> Exactly. Well, it's funny. It's a different, I feel like it's more emotionally busy as they get older instead of like physically running after people. Right, which um, isn't easy either, either yeah, right? Yeah, so it's just, it's just a different kind of energy. But right yeah. now, my two oldest have been, like, leaving the house on their own to go to tennis. Like, I haven't had to drive them. I'm just like, oh, my God, it's a whole mm. new world. <laughs> Freedom. <laughs> I know, right? I'm like, what do I do with myself? <laughs> so let's dive in a little. Well, let's start. Can we start with your story? So you're sure. a dietitian. I know you're super healthy because we met at a conference, and it's funny at a conference you can always <laughs> tell, like, who's looking for, like, healthy options when you're staying in a hotel for four days. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, a challenge. Exactly. Um, so, like, what's your backstory? How did you get into all this? Well, I guess growing up, my mom had always been interested in nutrition. You know, we were the kids that had to go to school with the brown bread sandwiches, which, of course, we hated at the time. I and it. I also had a sister who was sensitive to food dyes. So, you know, we had no Kool-Aid, no, no Jello. We couldn't have any of that in the house. Yep. Um, and I read went right into university for nutrition out of high school and I liked the sciences and I just figured this is always going to be useful to me, you know, in terms of a career as well as personally and with my family, you know, no matter what life stage I'm in, this will be a very applicable knowledge to have. So, um, you know, I went into, uh, do a four year degree, um, a year long internship, went into do my master's. So, I did a lot of schooling and also had a bit of clinical work. So I worked as a dietitian in a children's hospital with outpatients, as well as project planning uh, for a healthy pregnancy group. And then I had my first child. And you know what happens when you have kids, right? <laughs> All of a sudden, your life is turned upside down. I couldn't imagine going back to a full-time job, and I just wanted something more flexible. Yeah. So that's when I decided to start First Step Nutrition almost 10 years ago now. And I just wanted to work with the population. Well, I had some previous work experience with kids and pregnant women. And also, you know, personally, that's what I'd just been through and was right. going through. So um, that, you know, the personal experience, I think, is super, super important to have, too. So I basically work with the people that that I relate to, like I feel a lot of them could be my friends and just help them go through the challenges, a lot of which I'm experiencing too. And were you always, so your mom gave you brown bread and it's funny because that's a story that I feel like I, I right. hear over and over again. And mm -hmm. so look, can we go back to that a little bit? Like, did you ever have a point where you rebelled against that in your childhood or did, or did, or did, did, did you appreciate that? Well, I guess my first chance to somewhat rebel would have been going off to university. So I lived in res on my own. And I think to a degree I did, you know, I gained the freshman 15, like, like most <laughs> freshmen going off on their own. I would go to the cafeteria and get dessert and eat my dessert first, right? Mm -hmm. um, and sit there studying with the bag of candy <laughs> and all that. And, all that. Um, and I think, I mean, when you're that young, you just think you're indestructible, right? You don't right. really realize that this is making you feel crappy. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're hungover half the time too. So it's kind of a mix of a lot of things at that mm -hmm. age and stage. But I've always liked cooking. Um, so, you know, once I was ha had my own kitchen, I, I cooked for myself. I rarely ate out. Mm -hmm. Part of that was, was money savings too. But maybe I rebelled for a little bit, but, you know, not for long. I certainly got on my own, cooking my own meals, um, you know, meal planning from probably a younger age than most. That's cool. And, and so you were definitely, I mean, you'd already been through nutrition school and whatnot by the time you had your first child. So you were mm -hmm. feeling pretty top of health by then. Right. Yeah. I'm right. I mean, you have the same struggles that every mom does with, you know, yep. nausea and pregnancy and fatigue and all of that, and you kind of do the best you can. But I did have that in my in my back pocket. Yeah, got it. Okay, so let's dive into. 
so you specialize in like those first foods, right? Um, that the kids are eating. So mm. why don't let, so let's, let's talk about that. So I feel like, so it's funny because I feel like what happens in, or at least it happened to me and it happens to a lot of people who come into my world is that there's this point where we're very careful as we're giving our kids their first solids um, I don't know that we, any of us have any idea what we're doing because, you know, this is, it's, I feel like this is the strangest thing that's not taught to us. Um, mm -hmm. But then there becomes a point I found where I was being so methodical about one new vegetable, then a second new vegetable. And then it's like all of a sudden they can eat Cheerios and it's like the whole world opens up and it, and it go, gets out of control really quickly. So let's mm -hmm. go, let's go back to what you do at the beginning. So first of all, how do you know your child's ready for food, I guess? And then like, how, do, how do you start that process and create good habits that maybe will carry forward? Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of signs of readiness. Um, and right now, you know, World Health Organization, American Academy of Pediatrics, Dietitians of Canada, they all recommend starting solids around six months of age, yep. just because babies are physically and developmentally ready for more at that time. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you still see a lot of parents and even a lot of doctors generally just not up to date on these newer recommendations that start solids at three months, four mm -hmm. months, five months. And you don't need to. I mean, you know, why add that extra <laughs> step into your life you know it's so easy just to feed them milk well it's funny it's one of those things that I don't think you realize it's like wanting your kid to walk like you have no idea like you're like thinking like I just want them to walk I want them to walk and then you have no idea like how that totally changes your life <laughs> right I think yeah. that's more the first kid right and then yeah the children you're like okay just stay up babies don't <laughs> exactly. move don't eat don't move just stay put <laughs> yeah so you essentially want your baby uh, to be able to sit up at least, you know, with support and have the strength in their neck and trunk and arms to be able to grab food, get it to their mouth, lean forward to spit it out if they need to. So they need to have that strength. And then, of course, interest in food, too. Mm. Well, you know, that's not the only indicator of readiness, they're interested in everything we do, but mm -hmm. certainly hear a lot of babies like, you know, grabbing food off of their parents' plates and mine were always, you know, sitting at the table at five and a half months, just like shaking with anticipation because yeah. they were dying to eat, right? Yeah, my oldest started chewing, like he would just start moving his <laughs> mouth while we were eating with nothing in yeah. it. Yeah, that's good practice. Yeah. <laughs> so then with what to start with, I, fee I teach a lot of baby led weaning now, which is really popular and I think there's good reason so baby led weaning is basically skipping the purees and oh. feeding your baby's finger food or table food right from the start interesting yeah and that term came from the UK where weaning means to introduce foods like over in North America we tend to use weaning you know like weaning from the breast Mm -hmm. but it has nothing to do with the milk feedings in this context. So, you know, continue breastfeeding or whatever as long as you like, and it's just the method of introducing solids. Okay. And what does that do? So so you're making like little cubes? Like what is that? How does that change things? Well, it's a, it's a lot easier, really. I mean, you don't have to make your purees. You don't have to buy the purees. Um, parents who practice baby lead weaning, surveys have shown they're less stressed. Hmm. Um, one thing I love about it, too, is it gives that baby that full control over how much they eat right from the start Okay. to kind of set the stage for a healthy relationship with food. Okay. And some studies have shown that, you know, when these kids who started solids using baby lead weaning were two or three years old, they actually have healthier body weights and eat due to hunger, you know, rather than more of these external cues. Okay. Um, and you can certainly, you know, follow, listen to your baby's appetite and be a responsive feeder if you're using periods too. But I think it's just a bit easier to you know, here comes the airplane full of food or finish this jar or just, you know, be more concerned and try and force a little more food into your baby than they need at that stage. Got it. Well, and I think that's a really hard, it's a really hard thing to teach and to take in as a parent that kids at a very early age can listen to their bodies 
um, mm-hmm. and know what their bodies need, um, especially before, I mean, at this age, they're not like talking, right? So we're really having mm-hmm. to pay attention to their cues. But I get a lot um, of questions around, you know, especially with older kids, like, what if my kid doesn't eat dinner? And my thing is always mm-hmm. like, well, if they're hungry, they're going to eat, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so I know in infant, like in, in younger children, sometimes there's a lot of kids who will go through phases of like not wanting a meal or not even wanting to eat for a day, but mm-hmm. then picking, picking out later. So how do you, how do you, do you have any tips for getting comfortable with that? Like, so if you are helping them go by their rhythm, how, how do you sort of tap into that when they're not able to talk to you? Mm-hmm. The, well, to be honest, it is easier with baby led weaning because you put the food on their tray, you sit there and eat your own meal. Like you're not sitting there staring at your baby, looking <laughs> at how much they're eating, yeah. right? Yeah. Trying to feed them. So it makes it a little bit easier in that regard, but it is a very big mental leap for parents. I think, children at any age to get over the idea that it's not our job to get our kids to eat, Mm. right? It's our job to supply them with the food Mm -hmm. at regular times. But from there, they are certainly the best judges of their own appetite. Yep. Like you said, it, it varies wildly, which we don't really get because we eat pretty much the same amount of food every day. But Mm -hmm. kids, Maybe they're going through a growth spurt or maybe they're teething or getting sick. And really, they can go for days with, you know, subsisting on what seems like air, <laughs> maybe a little yeah. bit of milk. And like you said, you know, they'll probably pick it up or make up for it the next week. And, and that's totally normal and healthy for them. But it gets a lot of parents concerned for sure. Well, and then there's times when they eat more than you even understand where it's going, you know, so it goes both ways, (laughs) which kind of makes it more confusing. Um, Exactly. Yeah. And with my daughter, so I have three and two of them, you know, it's caused me to take certain different um, stance on what food we eat at home because of Mm -hmm. the one in the middle, but she has pretty severe Mm -hmm. food allergies, which were very undiagnosed in, in the hospital setting so we sort of had Mm -hmm. to find figure out ourselves and we didn't figure it out until she was three and four but what was interesting is if I look back she didn't want any of the things that I was giving her that made her sick do you know what I like I would give them to her (laughs) sort of like get them in there but she actually didn't if I really had been totally in tuned she didn't want them like she knew before anybody else Mm -hmm. um and it's interesting because then what happened at the end was I think, you know, they're little, so they don't know that, they, that they're not supposed to feel bad, you know, that, like, I think in, in hindsight, she sort of was always a little bit, um, you know, it came out in her behavior because I think she yeah. always had a tummy ache. Yeah. But, and so at some point they just think it's how you are, you know, probably they, they think that this is how life is. You have a tummy ache. But at the very beginning, she, you know, she was definitely self-selecting what worked. Um, and I just think that's so amazing about human beings <laughs> at such an early age. Yeah, that, that is amazing. You know, we're very intuitive if we listen to that and kids are naturally, they're naturally that way. Um, but that brings up a good point. You know, if your baby or child isn't growing well or hasn't taken a solids after months, there could be, you know, maybe they have some allergies or reflux and it actually hurts to eat. Yeah. So, you know, those are going to be the minority of cases, but um, certainly something to look into. So let's talk about what that food is, because another hunch I have is that we're starting a lot of the addictions to the foods that then we're trying to get off of later, Uh um, early, right? I mean, so as we let in, like if we let in a lot of those processed snack baby, I mean, even though they're baby foods early, um, it's harder to get them eating all those fruits and veggies later. So how, how, how does that work? Like, how do you recommend that people, like, what do people start with? How do you grow that? And is there anything particular you would avoid? Hmm. Yeah. So lots of good questions. So I encourage parents to start with iron rich foods for their baby, because that's the nutrient that they most need from solids, Hmm. which you certainly can get when doing baby led weaning too. Um, so you can throw 
if you have an instant pot or slow cooker, like a roast or ribs or, you know, chicken drumsticks in there, it makes the meat really tender. Um, eggs are awesome. Um, you can really start with anything now in terms of, you know, we used to have to wait to introduce allergens mm -hmm. and now it's just basically like wait to introduce honey until a year because it can have botulism, but anything else like, you know, the peanut butter, fish, shellfish, dairy, wheat, we now know that introducing it earlier actually can help promote bit of a tolerance in some kids rather than delaying. Hmm. So, and in terms of what to eat for baby lead weaning, some parents just start with family foods. So if you're having a chili, okay, maybe it's a little salty or spicy, so you can rinse it in a colander. Um, but there's some soft beans, veggies, meat for your baby. You know, if you're having a salad, you pick off the egg or cheese or you know little slices of cucumber and put that on your baby's tray so it can be a good motivator for the rest of the family or the parents to look at their diet too right like do I want to be feeding my baby fries for, <laughs> for lunch mm -hmm. today um Interesting. but I think you're right so just, just starting with whole real nutrient dense foods um well fruit and veggies are awesome and you certainly want to do Feed those to your baby. I see a lot of families feeding just fruits and veggies mm -hmm. and, you know, throw some meat or alternatives or yogurt. Mm -hmm. You know, your baby can have all the food groups, which will give them, you know, a little more energy and, and balanced nutrition. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, yeah we, but you don't, you don't need mum-mums. You don't need to go get the baby mum-mums and crackers and cookies. And yeah, 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 yeah. And beans are lentil, like beans are okay at that six months age. Yeah, so yeah. probably a six-month-old, they start with, it's called a palmer grasp, so they can pick things up with their palm, but it kind of has to be in a long stick form. Mm -hmm. You think like broccoli that has a natural handle or mm -hmm. like a, a rib or a thinly sliced, you know, piece of sweet potato because mm -hmm. they can eat down to their fist and then they have to drop it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> By about eight, nine, ten months, most babies will have that little pinch of grasp where they can use their thumb and forefinger to pick up like a black bean or, you know, something smaller. Mm -hmm. um, so until they have the pincher grasp, I would recommend, you know, like hummus or something just spread on a finger of toast mm -hmm. um, if you're looking at how to get beans in. But once your baby has that pincher grasp, honestly, I would just take some cooked black beans and, you know, put them on my baby's tray. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> wild. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Uh, two things that, that I just thought of. So it's interesting that you said that parents, it's a good time for parents to look at how they're eating. Um, cause that's what happened to me. And actually out of that, I took out a lot of animal protein cause I decided okay. that I did not want that in my body. So why would yeah. I put it in my kids? Um, so my kids do eat some now, but not daily, more weekly. And, um, but, and I don't, but then the other thing that's so intriguing about that is I remember so vividly this moment <laughs> just a couple of years ago, I was sitting in a cafe cause sometimes I go there to work. And it's a cafe where you can get like soups and, you know, bread to dip and also sort of more like muffiny bagel stuff, you know, mm -hmm. but you mm -hmm. can definitely get healthy soups and salads. So I, re I was sitting staring, you know, I was procrastinating doing my writing and I was watching this mom next to me who was with her, you know, probably 10 month old baby. Mm -hmm. And she had gotten herself this like beautiful bowl of a chill, some sort of bean soup, um, with dipping bread and she had gotten her child, um, you know, the muffin that I think she thought her kid could eat, but it right. you know, probably had sugar, you know, it wasn't like, it, it definitely like she was having this, this meal and her child would take the piece of the muffin and <laughs> dip it in the water because he was clearly wanting her soup with Aww. like how she was dipping it. And it was really interesting yeah. to watch. And after like five minutes, she realized, and this <laughs> child's consumed like her entire thing of soup. It was just the most, it was the funniest thing to watch because he, you know, he didn't want what he had and he was really mm -hmm. intrigued with what she had. And, you mm -hmm. know, it's so often, I think we can make these, you, you know, we, we have been sort of mistrained, I think for the past, probably 30, I don't even know how long it goes back in history about what is kids' food. 
Uh -huh. um, and it's so inter interesting how we can just make those deductions um, and, and not even realize that, you know, it's not what they would choose. So I, I love that, 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 you know, I love this whole thing of child-led weaning. That's it's fascinating. Yeah. And I mean, that's a perfect example of the kid food being less nutritious. Yeah. Right. So one benefit of feeding the food, family food, as opposed to purees is better nutrition. Cause look at the baby food, like the number one ingredient is water and it has carrots. Sure. But they're sweetened with apples, right? Yeah. So the child isn't actually experiencing either, you know, the texture or the taste of those real foods. Yep. Whereas when they get that from the beginning, we think that this could potentially lead to less picky eating down the road too. Yep. Just because not only do they get to experience these foods in the real form from a young age, but they're getting so many different flavors and textures and spices and, you know, the younger, the better. They don't need this bland baby food. Yeah. And it's interesting because um, a lot of, you know, at Plan Simple Meals, we're working a little bit less with what to eat and more to do with like how to fit it in um, mm -hmm. to our busy schedules. So what happens is I do get a lot of picky eating questions because I write a fair amount about that. Mm -hmm. But so we know that it takes seven to 14 tries, right, to like a food. But a lot of times by the time your child's older, you're having to fit that into a, a tighter time frame. It's just harder. But if you're uh -huh. starting that younger, right, then it's it's not it's before they can throw it back. You know, I guess they can always throw it back at you, but it's before <laughs> they can really object in words um, that I think gets under our skin more because I find a lot of it's our problem, not theirs. Yeah, we we take it personally. And, <laughs> you know, when babies are six months old, really, most of them will be open to eating anything. anything it's yeah. not until like 18 months, two years when they get a little more <laughs> like a little more selective. Yeah. And do you find that as they're getting more selective, if they've tried more, they're less selective? Does that make sense? Yeah, that's the that's, that's certainly the idea. The idea. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of parents say that has worked for them. You know, I've also seen some baby led weaning parents have picky eaters. So a lot yeah. of that, you know, the child's just going to be that way no matter yeah. how you use solids. But I think it does give them a little bit of an advantage. Yeah. That's so cool. So it's, let's go into picky eating a little bit because I know that's another thing that you talk a lot about. So I don't know. Let's, let's, mm -hmm. are you mostly dealing with younger kids and picky eating? Like what do we need to look for in that and how can we avoid it? Yeah. So it tends to be around that age two or three when parents start to get really concerned and they can see, you know, like I'm rearranging my whole day, I'm catering to my kid and this is way too much effort and there's tantrums and <laughs> fights, you know, nobody wants to come to the dinner table. So I think once it gets to that, even the toddler age, it can really affect the whole family. Yep. So going back to, I really love Ellen Satter's division of responsibility and feeding. So looking at the child's roles, it's if they eat or how much they eat. And that's a role that the parents often try to take over by saying, you know, you need to finish your plate or you need to eat your vegetables or, you know, you have to try this new food. Yeah. And that's where the battles come and nobody wins that because if yep. you have a stubborn child, if you tell them that they have to eat something, they're Maybe they'll take a bite, but they're going to say they hate it, whether or not they actually like it, or like not. it right? right? Right, So that works for some kids. You know, the one bite rule will work for easier children, but mm -hmm. picky eaters tend to be very stubborn, and I find that that just sets up a battle. Yep. <laughs> so essentially, you have to let your kid control the how much to eat and trust them to listen to their appetite, and then the parent needs to choose when the child eats, um, generally regular meals and snack times instead of that constant snacking mm -hmm. and what. Yeah. So the child often tries to take over the what, right? And then the parent becomes a short order cook because, yep. oh, they're afraid that my kid's going to starve if I don't feed him craft dinner yep. <laughs> because he's not going to eat dinner. So if you can, you know, just provide the meal, right? Like mm -hmm. you mentioned earlier, if your child's hungry, they're, they'll eat, 
And, and maybe they're not hungry and that's that's okay. Yeah, and one of the things I talked about in Plan Simple Meals in the book is um, this less, this beautiful lesson I learned from it, my kid's kindergarten teacher that they had a vegetable day at school and they the kids would eat sautéed spinach. Like they would eat everything. And I couldn't imagine that she got this group of 25 random kindergarten kids to eat these foods because it wasn't just like two were eating them. It was like they were all eating them. And one yeah. of the things I realized is it was such a given what she was serving that she was able to show up like with full calm presence. And mm -hmm. I realized that a lot of the time, the problem in my house was that by the time it was dinner, I was like tired from working all day. The kids mm -hmm. had had their long days. And even if I knew, if, even if I thought I knew what was for dinner, if I had any ambiguity about that at six o'clock, like they would, you know, kids will just swoop in and like hit that trigger. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. and the second you're, you waffle as a parent, you open that door. You know what I mean? So I, I realized it was much more about my energy than actually like what the food was. You know, the, that didn't seem to have, changing the food and making the food different and cutting it different. I mean, it makes some difference, I think, with picky children, but yeah. the biggest difference was in my energy. Yeah, that's, I think that's very perceptive. And going back to your point of the kids eating everything in school or daycare, that's super common. And then they come home and eat nothing. Yeah. And I think there's a few reasons, like one, they want to do what all the other kids are doing. Yeah. And two, there isn't that pressure, like the daycare worker can't sit over and stare at, you know, each individual child and monitor how much they're eating. Whereas at home, that's much easier and parents kind of push that on the child. So it just takes a lot of pressure yeah. off of the kids. So yeah. that, that helps. And it's a lot of that, right, that pressure or that expectation. And like you said, that energy at home, that's just not always helpful. Exactly. It's interesting. So, and then what happens about, so talk about like the camaraderie of, of eating, what happens with siblings? So mm -hmm. I, I, what I have found in my family and in other people who I've worked with is that, you know, sometimes it, it just takes one. <laughs> so like usually, right. <laughs> usually you have adventurous eaters and, you know, maybe a, a one picky one, but, um, and they all go of course through phases of liking and disliking stuff. Um, and I'm now experiencing what happens later in life and teenage, you know, my best eater ever. I just noticing that cravings change as you like become a teenager um, and sort of how, how you navigate that. But in the early ages, like what, what do you have any recommendations for if one sibling is throwing off the situation and that whole idea that everyone wants to do what the crowd is doing? Yeah, that can certainly work to the disadvantage too. Yep. So I think it's a good idea to have maybe some family food rules for your table. Yep. So there's no yuck, right? Yeah. Like you can't say this is gross. I don't like this because you're right. It will affect the other kids at the table. Mm. So you can, maybe you can say no, thank you, or you cannot comment on it at all and just leave it there. Don't touch it. As the mom, I'm not going to bug or pressure you to eat that, mm -hmm. but it's rude and it's a bad influence to say, you know, yuck, or this is gross or, mm -hmm. or whatnot. So I think if you could just get your children to abide by that rule, that would be a little bit helpful in terms of negative influence. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes, you know, we, I hear moms all the time blaming the dad too, right? Like dad that makes was, that, was my that was my, that was my next question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. kicking him under the table, right? Yeah. Um, or dad doesn't eat his vegetables. So, you know, why should the kid? And um, I mean, as parents, we're always role models and our children are always watching us and we're not perfect and we're never going to be. But it's good to keep that in mind, too, that maybe, you know, as an adult, I can expand my palate and try this new food if I'm a picky eater mm -hmm. um, to be a good role model for my child. Yeah, and it's funny because I think a lot of um, our beliefs around the table come from where we came, right, from our family, right? So, mm -hmm. and so, you know, somebody may have come, one spouse may have come from a clear your plate fam. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like those things are so ingrained in us. Um, and so that I think that is a big deal that a lot of times those conversations come up at the dinner table. So maybe a good thing for 
listeners to take from that is to really come up with this plan, you know, on date night or in bed after the kids are asleep, you know, so that you can come at that as a unified front. Yeah. And that's the a table. good point for anything to do with parenting, right? You come at it with different beliefs for discipline or eating or all of it. So it certainly does help to, if you can find some things you can compromise on and come at it as a, as a united front for your kids and just, yeah. You're right, like have these expectations set as a team before you get to the point where you're at the table and everybody's screaming. Yeah, yeah, because I, I find that's a big thing, at the, especially at the dinner table, just because we all come to the, you know, we're all, it's a, it's funny, it's this time of day that I think is so important for us to come together um, because it sort of bookends the day where everybody may have been in different directions Mm-hmm. Um, before we go to sleep, but it's also a very loaded time of day, right? Because everyone's tired and has had different experiences and, you know, a spouse is included, <laughs> not only kids. Yeah, everybody's tired. And once your kids get into sports, it's crazy. But if you can plan at least a couple family dinners together, I think the research has shown the kids yeah. not only eat better, but right, they do better in school, they're less likely to do drugs and be involved in risky behaviors. So that communication and connecting is so important. Yeah, and I can actually, I'll link up to that in the show notes because it's Columbia okay. who did an amazing study about that. So anyone listening who wants to see the data, it's pretty pretty spectacular. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing I just wanted to point out about what you said earlier just talking about baby-led weaning is that the child would be eating what you ate at the table where I think a lot of times we're never sure of that age where it switches to like when we're feeding the kids early and then putting them to bed and then eating as, you know, the older Mm -hmm. group or the parents, you know, and I Mm -hmm. feel like sometimes that model is what leads us to not being able to make the commitment to family dinner because we're, you know, it's easier. It's easier to feed a child earlier and get them to bed and then have adult time. Mm -hmm. And though I think that's so important some nights, you know, to have date night and whatnot so that we get in the habit of that when they're older. But um, I think that that idea that you're eating the same thing just make, it just changes the model a little bit because it's not like you're cooking something separate and shoving it in the kid's mouth and getting them off to bed. Um, You really are appreciating it together. Exactly. And it ends up being easier for you in terms of you're feeding everybody at once. You don't have to make those separate meals. And then I think it's just a healthier environment in general where everybody can sit at the table and eat at the same time rather than, right, the baby's eating alone or, um, you know, you're sitting there putting too much emphasis on, okay, it's dinner time, eat. Yeah. So, yeah, there are a lot of benefits from starting those family meals even from, you know, six months. Yeah. And the mod- the whole modeling part of it too, because uh, mm. I mean, I find that I'm always very pleasantly surprised when I just do something and then the kids want to do it too. <laughs> you don't even, sometimes you don't even have to ask or, or you know what I mean? It just happens because you're, you're doing it too. You're eating that green, whatever it is. Yeah. Certainly when they're young, this of course changes at some point, but they yeah. want to do everything that you do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's cool that way. Well, thank you so much. Is there any other like thing that you love to share about either of the two topics about or weaning or picky eating and it, not I'm going to move on to the next set of questions I I mean I think the most important concept whether you're looking at the starting solids or picky eating is mm-hmm. just the whole trusting your child's appetite right and not yeah. putting pressure on them to eat yeah. it's really important for their whole lifelong relationship with food yeah and once they can I mean I know that you and your work focus more on the baby side but I know you have mm-hmm. kids so as your kids have grown into words how, how do you how do you keep um uh keep sharing that do you know what I mean like how, how do you reinforce that as they're getting older that idea to trust their appetite and trust their body is it the same yeah I think it's exactly the same and as they do get older you had mentioned earlier like some days they eat so much food and you have no idea <laughs> where yeah, they're where putting it, it. Yeah. so that might become you know the little more a little more of a challenge as they get older but um again it's just important to let them choose how much to eat yeah you know now that my son is 10 a lot of the the girls in his class are kind of in the pu- 
pre-puberty stage where they put on weight before growing mm -hmm. tall. Mm -hmm. So I've been getting a lot of questions from my friends, like, should I, you know, restrict my, my daughter's food or is she eating too much? And really, if you put on any sort of restrictions, unfortunately, you're just creating, you're creating a binge eater yeah. because then they're going to eat as much as they can at every chance they get, which just increases as they get older. Or they're going to be in a like stashing chocolate bars under yes. their bed. Uh, I um, can speak from experience to that model, actually, because that was me. <laughs> yeah, there yeah. you go. So, uh, well, whether it's hard on either side of the spectrum, if you think your kid is too big or eating too much, or they're too little and not eating enough, it's again just letting them within. You know, you're still choosing when you can the times and the food that's offered, but yeah. Yeah, they I think that's really much, important. Like. I think that's really important to to mm. keep front and center as much as possible because I do find that that gets harder and harder as they get older. So knowing yeah. that, like, yes, you're still bringing that brown bread sandwich or whatever it is in your family mm -hmm. to school for lunch, like, is important. It's like important to keep that authority. And the the thing that I think I find myself doing a little bit differently. So, so I didn't grow up with the brown bread sandwich. I had to learn this a little later in life. Mm -hmm. But I, I've talked to enough people who, who grew up with that healthy mom and mm -hmm. really come to appreciate her um, mm -hmm. later in life for those lessons. Like that's been, a, you know, uh, unanimous amongst like college kids that I've talked to. But um, right. yeah, go ahead. And I think you're right. Like there may be a little bit of, um, you know, fight back against that when your child is a teenager for a few years but I think they'll almost always eventually come around to to what they grew up with right so they have yeah. that knowledge from when they're young and and they'll come back to it yeah and I and I but I, and I think as they're getting in that so I happen to have an 11 year old girl um who is in that okay. exact stage of what you just said Mm -hmm. um, and a boy who's 13 who it manifests its way differently. So it's less about weight yeah. and more about like, you know, stuff bumps on your face. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like every child manifests the food thing a little bit differently. But it's yeah. just like always, I, I feel like that's where family dinner is even so much more important because it's just always feeling safe and, you know, um, like food plays a part to how you feel and just feeling really good good in your in your body and your clothes which I really actually feel like food plays a big part of because I do notice that you know if somebody goes to a birthday party and happens to have like you know more sugar than they usually have I see the shift in how they feel and it's funny they get more sensitive about their body and it's it's interesting so I feel like if you're eating food that's really making you feel good and you know, no, nothing's being pushed on you and you're not feeling like you have to restrict and you have those conversations regularly. I do feel like that hopefully is what leads to a healthy eater for life. Um, and just knowing that your body yeah. does change at all these times. Right. And as moms, we play such a huge role in our child's body image too. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you are talking about always being on a diet or, yeah. um, you know, needing to lose some weight or, you know, these pants are too tight or, or whatever it is, then your child will pick up on that and basically continue that, that cycle, that negative body yeah. image dieting cycle. So it's, you know, really important again, going back to being the role models to think about your child's body image too. Yeah, and, and getting in control of your own, which actually was a really mm -hmm. important part of my food journey. And it's one of the things I do now is I'm really focused on how food makes me feel. And I say that out loud a lot because one of the things mm -hmm. that I carried from my childhood was just all these weird, happy memories of like celebrations with food or like mm -hmm. different relatives' houses with food where I always left feeling awful. And so, like, mm -hmm. just that weird thing of, like, a happy moment, but then, like, eating the wrong food, eating too much, whatever it was. 
Um, and so, but I never heard anyone say like, oh, I just ate the perfect amount of food or I just ate <laughs> the perfect mix of food and I feel so good. You know, you always hear about people saying I'm stuffed, you know, like that's when I people know. speak up. So I make a pretty concerted effort to, to just say when I feel good after I've eaten so that like my kids are conscious of that. But to be honest, it really changed me because it made me more aware of, you know, what I was eating and how if I was feeling good or if I had actually eaten enough or you know you know what I mean so I feel like yeah, it's a conversation it's yeah we almost brag about eating too much in our yeah. culture right it's crazy um, <laughs> and I that can be a conversation you can have with your child if especially if you think that they're eating too much um, which they probably are not if, you know, you haven't restricted them yeah. at any point. But you, you can get them to tune into your body, you know, if they want seconds or thirds. Okay, you can, ha- you can have seconds like, are you, are you hungry? Are you still hungry? Yeah. So get them to think about it, you know, for a little mi- a minute oh, or two. Right. Or even take a pause because sometimes yeah. we really feel hungry when we haven't let it, like, sink in. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And so one more actually question before I get into this final round of questions. Do you have a thought on birthdays and like the celebration type food? Like, do you have any insights? I know your focus is a little bit younger before kids are actually in control of that. But yeah, well, one of the things I'm trying to change with my kids school is that there's not cupcakes brought in for every child every child's birthday and and that celebration food doesn't necessarily just need to be the cupcakes like it can be the cupcakes and the cake but you know maybe you can also have uh, fruit skewers or or veggies and dip or yeah just trying to make kids learn that healthy food can be fun too it just doesn't have to be all that junk food yeah so I you know I've always always make cakes for for my kids birthday and I expect one of my own birthday (laughs) too (laughs) um and I think that's okay I mean food is a part of our culture and celebration too but with the you know two birthdays a day at school right like you don't need to have five celebrations with food in a week (laughs) yes exactly Um, well, and one of my big lessons was that cake can be healthy. Um, that was one of our dessert can be healthy. Um, that was sort of one of my big revelations at, at the beginning was I had to allow myself to have lot, like feel good having sweets and just admit that I had a sweet tooth and find mm-hmm. good like alternatives to that. So um, one of our fa- well, actually the birthday cake I make all the time because it serves my middle daughter who can't eat gluten or dairy or food dye, mm-hmm. um, is from the spunky coconut and I'll put that link in the show notes, but it's just made of, um, white beans, eggs and coconut flour and, you know, vanilla and maple syrup, I think is what makes it sweet. And it's mm-hmm. so good. And it's like pure protein, you know, so it actually yeah. is filling and it tastes yummy. And we don't put like tons of we don't put frosting on it. Actually, usually we serve it with fruit or put something, you know, in a layer in the middle. And kids like love it. Like no one's complaining that it's not blue. Or, mm-hmm. you know, actually, I noticed that the past two birthday parties that all the kids were actually scraping off the frosting it's like eating the cake in the middle anyway so it's like I, I feel like it got a little out of control and that that's where we do have to sort of put on our our thinking caps and sort of stick ourselves out there a little bit as moms like I always challenge us to to sort of just think a little bit differently and there's you know nothing no one's judging us or thinking we're cooler because we show up with a green cake that's like in our own heads yeah yeah <laughs> No, that's awesome. I have a similar story with my son. I sent him to school one year with his cake, and I think it was a chocolate cake with beans in it, and the icing had avocado or whatever. And the kids had no idea, but he comes home, Mom, the kids said that's the best cake they've ever had. Whereas most kids, like, right, bring in the donuts or, you know, the, the cake from the store and real homemade food even with healthy ingredients and it can be delicious it can be so delicious and it's funny because we have the same experience of I get a lot of like mom I think all the moms are going to want the recipe because everyone really liked it (laughs) you know like it's funny it's It's funny how that works all right so tell us how people can get a hold of you and I think you have some really cool thing for anybody with thinking about babies right so tell us that part Yeah, so I have a book called The Parent's Guide to Baby-Led Weaning coming out late August, early September. I have a 
free Facebook group at blwcommunity.com. And then I have, you know, freebie, my top seven recipes for baby led weaning. Um, I have a picky eaters freebie. So all of that you can find at my main website, which is firststepnutrition.com. Cool. And for anyone who's listening while walking or driving, that will be in the show notes. So you can just go back to plansimplemeals.com and you will see that um, link if you um, go to the go to that page. Okay. Thank you. So that is awesome. And then the last question that I ask everybody, hopefully you've listened to an episode, maybe even yep, more. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know it's is, So tell us about a meal um, that had a big impact on you. So it might have been the food, the company, or some aha you had while at the table. So I did have a chance to think about this, and I think it's an awesome question. But lately, my husband and I have had a few dinner functions at a colleague friend's house and he owns this this ranch mm-hmm. out in the country and they have a beautiful old barn they set up long picnic tables and there's like a chandelier hanging from the roof and they raise cattle and have garden and greenhouse so essentially like big family style meals with fresh food that they've raised or grown themselves so it's a like the atmosphere and I know there's a new there's a big movement for local food and mm. I love it. Like it's the freshest, most environmentally friendly, tastiest, healthiest food. And even taking this back to kids, like if you can get your kids involved in growing food, even if it's just planters of herbs in your windowsill mm-hmm. or talking to your local farmer, it just brings them into that. This is where our food comes from and they, learn to appreciate it and maybe give it a try if they wouldn't have otherwise. So yeah, that's, that's actually my secret. I love love that story. And I, I, I think it's such a good, such a good thing to connect with is local. And that's so fun that you have had that experience with events. It's cool. Yeah. It doesn't matter where we're from. We all have local food somewhere, right. Or can grow our own to whatever degree. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's actually how I got my kids to love salad was one year I grew lettuce and I, I didn't even mean to, but my kids would go out and just like, they were so excited that there was something they could pick and put in their mouth that they just started like picking lettuce pieces. And then eventually we had stuff to dip it into and it was just sort of grew from there. But I've always been grateful that they love salad. Cause I feel like no matter where you are, you can find a salad. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, no, it's just fascinating to them to see it grow and then yeah. and then eat it. So that's great. Yeah. Well, another thing about farm fresh food is it tastes better, right? Like, so if you're mm-hmm. really a taste, you know, if children's palates are that sensitive, um, you know, a fret, there's nothing like a real a cucumber that really has just been grown. Exactly. It, it has or tomato. Right. Right. It's it's a little sweeter. It hasn't been sitting in the store on the truck for a month, right? Exactly. Exactly. So thank you. More nutrient dense. Thank you so much for your time today. I hope, I hope every, it's funny, I don't do a lot of baby talk and I, I know that there's people listening who have babies. So I love, I'm hoping that all of them come and download your, your guide and we all look forward to your book in September. It's exciting. Yeah, I'm excited too. Thanks, Mia. You're welcome. All right, you guys, didn't you love that talk with Jennifer? I feel like, oh, I love having these conversations so much. I just, I love all the good that we're, so many people are doing in the world. And we as moms are genuinely in this place where I think we're all going to do our part to change the standard American diet of ours. Don't you think? I know you, I know you're going to help. All right. So this is the part where we go through three doable changes from the episode so you can take all the little nuggets that we've talked about and really put them into action in your life. And as you know, I give three doable changes, but do advise you guys to pick one at a time. It makes a huge impact to always have one thing you're working on. So what I do is every Sunday night, I pick my doable change for the week and I really work on how to fit that new thing, that new habit, whether it's a food or an action, into my life by putting it into my calendar in different ways so that I can make it happen. And that way I can really have fun with it. I find if I try to stack 10 things in at a time, it gets stressful really fast. And if anything, 
happens, like a sick kid or a busy day, poof, they all go away. Whereas if I'm focusing on one thing at a time and really having fun with it, it tends to stay around for a lot longer. And over time, all these doable changes build on top of each other. So let's talk about three from this episode. I love the first one. Make a no yuck rule. Don't you love that? So practice not saying yuck or complaining about part of a meal that you don't like. Teach your kids to do the same. So a lot of times our kids are just modeling us, but if they're not, if they're just saying yuck, then just make a no yuck rule. Have have them practice not saying yuck. Say it in a nice way. It doesn't have to be like discipline too disciplinary, but teach your kids to say no thank you or simply leave what they don't like. So for your part, resist the urge to make them eat the food that they leave on the side. So this was a big aha for me from this episode, from this interview. And it's something that I think probably is a thing that comes up with a lot of partners in coming up with what our rules are about this. A lot of us did grow up with a finish your plate rule. So this is sort of a new way of thinking. But I love that if we resist the urge to sort of judge what they're eating, that that yuck won't come out so much. So make a no yuck rule. Love that. Number two, serve a family meal. Instead of catering to picky eaters, make family meals that reflect how you want your family to eat. I love this one. So often we just get ourselves in this pickle and it's actually at this time that Jennifer's talking about that I think we get ourselves into this pickle because it's a time when kids are young enough that perhaps we don't think they need to be at the family dinner table or we've sort of learned that they eat differently than we eat. So just start them off the same way and you are basically modeling for them how to eat. And you can totally make adaptations. And Jennifer gave the example of rinsing off a chili that may be too spicy for a baby um, or just simply adding hot sauce for mom. But serve everybody the same food. If you have a soup, you can like pick things out. But, you know, have it be from the same base. All right, love that strategy because family meals, you guys, become more and more and more important as our kids get older. So when we start this young, oh my gosh, just imagine what it will be like later. Number three, get your kids involved in growing food. So this can be anything. I feel like I talk about this one a lot too. See, I love all these guests because they are just reinforcing everything I want to (laughs) say. But it could be a windowsill box of herbs or you could plant some lettuce in the backyard. This is definitely how my kids became huge salad eaters was because of the year we planted lettuce. And kids really get intrigued when they see things grow and when they get to pick the food and you know t- take responsibility for getting it out of the ground. And just the act of doing this will encourage them to try foods that maybe they would otherwise not try. And obviously this is a bigger, you know, it takes a while because you have to grow food. So it takes a little bit longer to take root than some of the other changes that we talk about. But you could plant something this week. Lettuce, radishes, herbs, all these things are pretty easy. And if you get like a pre-planted herb, kids can start snipping them right away. So I love that change as well. So make a no yuck rule serve a family meal, or get your kids involved in growing food. Three great doable changes. So pick your doable change for this week. If you want more ideas, you can listen to all the podcasts because they've all got three at the end, or you can also go download our checklist of 101 doable changes at plansimplemeals.com slash 101. And I will see you guys on the next episode of the Plan Simple Meals podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Plan Simple Meals podcast. If you like what you heard, the biggest compliment you can give us is to share Plan Simple Meals with a friend and subscribe, rate, and review our podcast at iTunes. I absolutely love sharing simple solutions to help busy families eat clean and live well. 
visit healthymomsmeetup.com and come join in on the fun. In our free group, you can chat with me and other health-seeking moms, get new recipes and tips, and never be at a loss in the kitchen again. Come join the fun at healthymomsmeetup.com. I cannot wait to meet you there.